1: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulBoxing.com, FightfulWrestling.com. You know the drill. It is now July 28th, the wee hours of the morning. This is the UFC post show. Now, some of you might be going, hey, what's that doing here? The UFC post show? Those are on the other channel. Well, this will be on the other channel. But since we have a much larger viewership here on this channel... I wanted to tinker with the idea of doing live shows over here, maybe putting them up taped over there or premiering them over there. Uh, maybe it'll promote some more super chats, help out the channels a little bit more. I uh, just wanted to tinker with things, see how they work. Why not? Let's go ahead and talk about this UFC 240 show. Um, Not a show I'm going to be telling my grandchildren that I don't have about any time uh, ever. Uh, I, the thing that I may bring up is man, that Felicia Spencer sure took an ass whipping. And for some reason that's perceived as a positive. And I'm sure that I'll have uh, some sort of positive spin as well, but man, uh, this was not a good card. This was about as good of a card as it looked on paper. Now let's go ahead and get started because I can only bitch about the depth of UFC cards so much. Eric Coke defeated Kyle Stewart via unanimous decision. Coke is only 30. And seven years ago, he was supposed to fight Aldo for the title. Never did. Now he's kicking off the prelims at age 30, hoping to hold on to his gig. This was a big fight for him, and he won it. Now, Koch didn't look like a world beater or anything, but uh, the fact that he was able to pin Kyle Stewart with ease and land ground and pound was nice. Uh, Stewart was able to escape the triangle well. The third round was most impressive for Coke, who really put the pain on Stewart on the ground. Uh now Coke is a former lightweight and featherweight who's lost 5 of his last 7 fights across the decisions uh, across those divisions, but was in his welterweight debut and won and looked better than he has across those others. Now he's also won in all 3 of those divisions in the UFC, which is uh a, a unique type of uh a unique type of achievement that not a lot of people do have. Now uh, that's nothing to really look out for. I'm not telling anybody to look out for Eric Koch. That's just kind of a neat fact. I am telling people to look out for Jillian Robertson. She pounded out Sarah Frota. Uh, she's been training with Dean Thomas and she was like 16. In case you missed that the seven times I mi- mentioned it on commentary. Uh, she is. So there you go. She took down Frota, battled off a reverse triangle and an arm triangle from the bottom. Now, there's an arm triangle from the bottom and Anik asks Rogan the difference between that and an Ezekiel choke. And I love this because while I know, and you all might know, uh, probably know uh, the difference between an Ezekiel choke and an arm triangle from the bottom, a lot of people don't. So that gives Joe Rogan a legit black belt, the opportunity to explain it. Now an Ezekiel choke is, is uh, more of a cigar cutter where you have this motion The arm triangle is where you push an arm over and their shoulder is cutting off their own carotid artery. You push it over here, you figure for your arms, you can, uh, and you apply the pressure that way. Very, very hard to land from the bottom, but so is an Ezekiel choke. So um, if he can land it, he can land it, but Frota didn't land it, but I was just happy with the production here. Robertson just started to throw down heavy ground and pound and won to a great ovation. Super awesome finish here. Robertson is only seven and three, but she's four and one in the UFC. So you're talking about a woman who was like three and two when she came into the company. And a lot of times you look at that and you're like, "Oh, that's not great. What what are you doing? <laughs> What's the UFC thinking here?" Uh, not so much with Jillian Robertson. She was eight and one as an amateur and beat people like uh, Lindsey Van Zant as an amateur. Uh, so she was like that. That record was probably pretty misleading. She had a pretty solid like two and a half year run as an amateur, and um, went to tough and just lost to Barb Honchak, which was you know a tough type of t- tough task to take on as a three and two fighter, I think. And, I mean, she had barely been fighting, I think, a year and a half at that point as a pro. So the fact that she's been able to do what she's done and what she's been able to do is go 4-1 and one in the UFC with four finishes all before the third round. She now has the UFC flyweight record for finishes uh in that women's division. That's impressive. Now, uh, that win that uh Myra Silva has over her looks even better. Myra Silva, who showed up on Dana White's contender series last August and then fought Jillian Robertson like six weeks later and finished her, but hasn't fought since, hasn't had a fight scheduled since. That's pretty impressive now, considering the way that Jillian Robertson has looked along the way. And she's 24 years old, a brand new 24 years old too. Like just turned 24 a couple months ago. She is going to be someone to look out for in this division for years to come, uh, I do my uh, watch, don't watch, where I, I put my podcast notes out there, and then I let you know if you should watch this fight. Uh, any fight she has right now is worth watching to me. I'm telling you, keep your eye on her. Keep your eye on Davidson Figueredo. Man, this was a fun fight on a card that did not have a lot of them. <laughs> now, I feel like if Pantoya won that he's like not going to get a title shot anytime soon or anything. And now Figueredo isn't in that territory necessarily. uh Pantoya going into this fight uh was a lot in a lot better shape, so to speak, uh at least as far as, as a record standpoint, he had won five of his last six. He had won three in a row. He sent Wilson Hayes packing Pantoya or Figueredo is fresh off of a loss to Jesse Formiga, Formega who, uh, Got beat by Joseph Benavidez. So Benavidez is the clear-cut number one contender. There is no debate. Joseph Benavidez, clear-cut number one contender. If he slips on a banana peel and falls down, Davidson Figueredo is that guy. He is 5-1 and one in the UFC. He's beaten Moraga and Pantoja now. That's pretty good. Went to the scorecards with Formiga. But this was a fun fight. Uh, Pantoya rolled from the body to the head with combos. The guys were really just slugging it out, which resulted in Pantoya picking up things big time at the end of the round. They were chucking and ducking, Figueredo getting the best of it, even dropping Pantoya in the second round. And what I noticed was that Figueredo was so much more composed and accurate than Pantoya. And it was really paying off. Uh, this was a fun top five fight that was just buried on the prelims, man. Just completely buried on the prelims. What a bummer. This was good. This should have been on the main card over uh, Saryukin and Abin Mercier or Jatko versus Berialt, but we know why they were on there. Reminder, guys, leave a thumbs up on this video. I can't tell you how much that helps. Even if you're watching on YouTube live, leave a comment down below. Tell me what your favorite fight was on this show. Tell me any of your thoughts. All that stuff really helps us get noticed. Uh, donate a super chat, any amount, and we will answer your question or read your statement on the air. Gavin Tucker, clutch taps. Do Ho Choi, We're naked choke round three. I thought that Tucker's response to a loss here would be telling because he came in as a very highly touted prospect and tasted defeat for the first time recently. And a lot of people that taste defeat for the first time, they do not respond well. And uh, sorry, it's not Duho Choi; it's Sungwoo Choi. Uh, but when a guy like Gavin Tucker, he's thirty-three, yet thirty-three years old in this weight division, one hundred forty-five pounds, it's time to go, man. And he he beat Sam Cecilia. He lost to Rick Glenn, and uh, he got hurt. He was. He missed like a full year. It's been almost two years since he fought. So you wonder how he's going to perform. And he performed very well, all things considered. He had this weird illegal knee, which he straight up said was intentional. And and instead, I like Conor McGregor's tweet about this. Instead of checking on the guy who got hit with the illegal blow, they're discussing the legality of the blow. Check on the damn man. Come on now. Tucker's corner like wisely advises him that he needs to win round three because of that point deduction. Uh, his corner told, told him it's a one-round fight now. Just go out there and treat it like that. And Gavin Tucker did. He didn't leave anything to chance. Toy was able to land some nice strikes but gets dragged to the ground. Tucker was not willing to leave it to chance and tapped out Toy with a rear naked choke. Hakim Dewadu, man. So, if you want to see Hori hop around and Dewadu struggle to chase him down until the third round, this is the fight for you. Dewadu slowed things down or uh, slowed Hori down in the second round, but it was the third round that you got to watch. That's, that's a round that you need to watch because you see what Hakim Dewadu can do and you see why this guy was uh, touted so heavily. I hate to, hate to overuse that term. I don't want to be redundant, but it, it's apt for him. When Hakeem Dewadu got signed and Fightful broke the news, shout-outs to James Lynch of The Score. Uh, we miss you, buddy. But Hakeem Dewadu came into the UFC, uh, I think it was last year, early last year, late notice, uh, lost to Danny Henry, and his sense went 3-0. Austin Arnett, Kyle Bosniak, Yoshinori Hori, really good wins. And he's finally finished somebody. It's his first finish in like three years. And boy, was it a finish. He chased down Hori. Punches, elbows, kicks, knees. Everything that DeWadu could possibly throw from the clinch, he threw. Uh, a great knee to the body, set up a head kick for DeWadu, And that was one to watch. Uh damn he's one to watch one to watch Viviane Arajau boy am I a fan of this woman I called her the most interesting woman on this card uh, a few days ago and I stand by that Felicia Spencer whatever Jillian Robertson cool she's great Sarah Frota, who gives a shit Chris Cyborg we know what she is we know where she's probably going she's plenty interesting Viviane Araújo, however, is the most interesting person to me. Uh, Viviane Araújo never fought as a pro until about a month before her twenty eighth birthday, or 29th birthday, I think. She's thirty two years old; she'll be thirty three this year. How about this? August two thousand eighteen, she wins a five round, a scheduled five round fight against Emmy Fujino as a straw weight 115 pounds she doesn't fight until may of this year where she takes on talita bernardo and she is a pretty solid underdog here 135 pounds beats her in the third round finishes her then turns around two and a half months later at 125 pounds and beats alexis davis a former title challenger via unanimous decision, at 125 pounds. This woman, in under one year, won fights in three different weight divisions. That is incredibly impressive. The only person to beat her, Sarah Frota, who was on uh, the prelims tonight, and I get the feeling is going to beat her. I like this. I want to see Ara Zhao get back in the cage pretty quickly. She is 32. We don't know how that will affect women as much as before. Obviously, she's versatile. 115, 125, 135. There ain't a lot Ara Zhao can't do. She's built herself up a lot of goodwill here. and I'm telling you guys, you got it. She outstruck Alexis Davis in the opening and closing rounds, which is a hell of a thing to do. Uh, Davis was able to put her on, his, on her back a little bit, but I'm I'm really interested in her. Um, where does Vivian go from here? Well, here's the thing: she's got a lot of options, but I would. She's two and zero in the UFC, so you gotta put her in there with somebody. If Antonina Shevchenko wins, I would probably put her in there with her. Give her that top fifteen or. Uh, I I don't hate the idea of Lauren Murphy, even though Lauren Murphy has a fight coming up. Uh, Win, lose, or draw. Throw in there with Lauren Murphy. Why not? I think this would be Lauren Murphy's first fight since 2017. So that's a a nice one. Reminder, guys, leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. If you want more videos, more interviews, more podcasts, more clips from the MMA side of things, subscribe. YouTube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. Of course, this is Primarily our pro wrestling channel. It started out with a little bit of everything, but switching it up a little bit. Keeping you guys on your toes. Oh, Christoph Jatko against Marc-Andre Berialt. This sucks. I cover MMA for my job, and I dedicate my life to MMA and pro wrestling. And I don't have a goddamn clue who Mark andre Berialt is. Probably because the man is 0-1 in the UFC heading into this. 0-2 now. Uh, Jocko put Barry Alt on his dome once. That was sick. Barry Alt slammed himself into a mount by Jocko. All right. I would imagine the UFC felt kind of silly putting this fight on the main card instead of the top five flyweight fight. But hey, Jocko's one, two in a row now. He was a top 15 guy in the division that was getting a little bit of attention and lost three in a row. Now he's, uh, now he's one, two in a row. Barry Alt, oh, and two. Back to the prelims, buddy. They'll throw him on a Canadian card. Armin Saryukin, who is not related to Sharyukin from uh, Street Fighter fame. The great move. Uh, Nowhere as exciting either. Uh, OAM. They talked about Olivier Abin-Mercia training with GSP. Cool. Great. Good. You got to build up interest in him somehow. Because this fight sure as shit ain't doing it. This fight sucked. This fight. Like, I mean, how do you how do you create interest in a guy who's eleven and five and has lost now three straight decisions? I don't know.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify?
1: Because this this definitely ain't the guy that I was seeing. What was it? I think it was just last April? April 2018? Because that guy was finishing people. That guy beat Drew Dober. Choked him out. That guy beat, I think, Theobald Gote. Uh, finished Evan Dunham in under a minute. Even, you know, while not exactly going to. Steel fight of the year awards. He beat Rocco Martin via split decision. He won four fights in a row. I think he won seven of eight, did Abin Mercier? So I don't know. Whatever it is, Abin Mercier has been doing the last year and a half, cut it out, bro. The fights have not been good. And he ain't winning. He ain't winning. Two of those fights he was favored in as well, although he's a slight underdog here. Yeesh. Don't even bother with this one. Uh, OAM left his guard down, throwing a kick an awful lot. And yeah, Boza said OAM's team hired an MMA handicapper for this fight. It was so weird. Avin Mercier was on his back, throwing elbows. I like that. That was cool. Whatever. Not whatever. Jeff Neal obliterating Nico Price. This fight ruled. Neal got a nice little belly to belly suplex, or belly to back suplex, and Price lucked out a bit with a clash of the head that allowed him to set up a left punch that looked like it had Neal in danger. They start slugging it out, and the crowd is pumped. So. Neil got clipped with this leg kick a little bit. And he was like, Oh yeah, (laughs) just rushed Nico price. Now Nico grabs a guillotine. And you guys, if you've watched this show for any extended period of time, you know how I feel about the Von flu choke. You got to be an idiot to get caught in a Von flu choke if you're in the UFC, but I've seen people get in the position to where they can like a ton like, I, I even put on Twitter, did OSP go up to every fighter and say, hey, brother, brother, that doesn't work for me. Don't use my Von Fluchoke finish, brother. Because, like, the last 10 times I've seen someone in position to land a Von Flu choke or at least apply one, they don't even bother. I'm like, damn, it's there. Even if you're still stuck in half guard a little bit, you can get the position, then slide into it a little bit. I don't know, man. It ain't that hard. It, it The Von Flu choke should legitimately be one of the first things you're taught. Which it should be one of the first submissions you're taught in MMA because it's something that you can get on other low-level opponents who don't know what they're doing, at least the first time they're in. I don't know, man. So Jeff Neal ends up in the guard of Nico Price and just throws down some heavy ground and pound. This was naughty, my friends. Just naughty. Just naughty. Violent, maybe a little bit premature, but eh, it wasn't getting any better for Nico Price, my man. Jeff Neal is now 4-0 in the UFC, 5-0 if you include Contender Series, and you got to look out for him now. Do you give him a ranked opponent? Because I do. Why not? 4-0 in the UFC, you know how they like to do guys, though. They'll throw him in there against some guy who probably doesn't belong there, but man... You know what? I If I'm the UFC, I don't hate James Vick against Jeff Neal because James Vick probably should give a go of it at 170. He's a name that a lot of people know. Jeff Neal beating him would help Jeff Neal a, a lot. I, I like that one. Uh, otherwise, Zaleski Dos Santos would be a neat one. I don't know who the hell he's scheduled against, but he's won several fights in a row. Just beat Curtis Melender. Uh, I don't hate the idea of Curtis Melender either. But Jeff Neal is absolutely somebody you got to look out for. A 28-year-old will be 29 next month. He's a 5'11 welterweight, but he went from – like he's just had – he's had a killer year, man. He's had a killer couple years, really, uh, since the Dana White Contender Series, which is weird to think that it's existed for two years, but – that went over Bilal Muhammad earlier this year is what really opened my eyes. Like, you can say what you want about the head kick on Frank Camacho and him tapping out Brian Camozzi and how well he looked on Contender Series or how well he looked in LFA or Legacy before that. But it was him beating Bilal Muhammad that made me go, damn. All right. Because people don't do, – if if you do that – your Vicente Luque or Alan Juban, and those are two pretty good names, pretty solid names. Jeff Neal, another one to watch. This is going to be one of those shows that you look back at and you're going to be like, oh, th- these people were on there. Like Jillian Robertson was on there. Davidson Figueroa was on there. Hakeem Dawadu, Vivian Araujau, maybe even Saryukin. But damn, just wasn't a, a good card on paper tonight. Oh boy, Chris Cyborg whopped Felicia Spencer. Chris Cyborg fought a hell of a fight. And hey, I will give Felicia Spencer some credit. So did she. Now, I, I want to get this out of the way. Do I respect Felicia Spencer? Yeah, I sure as hell do. I have a problem with... <laughs> how do I put this without sounding like a complete jackass? Cause I'm going to anyway, let, let me just go ahead and do it. What does it really say about the UFC's featherweight division or lack thereof that somebody's stock rises because they get hit in the face a lot. That That's that's what makes somebody stock rise in this division. They get hit in the face a lot and don't fall down damn All right man. Now, that being said, Felicia Spencer got a chin on her and that is impressive. But this featherweight division is not a division. It is not. Cyborg threw some heavy strikes. I thought Spencer did all right at moving away, managed to cut Cyborg with an elbow. That was impressive. That was good. Uh but Spencer had the stance and footwork of a 10-day veteran. Ate just a lot of strikes, but didn't get put on her ass at all, which is, like I said, about as promising as it gets against Cyborg if you're a straight grappler. There was this spot where Spencer, like, she had to try it, but she pulls, a, she pulls Cyborg to the ground where she can just rest after Cyborg looked tired and threw some nasty punches. I did think commentary... Um played up the fact or played up the idea that Cyborg was tired a lot more than they should have. I don't know if she was that tired. Chris Cyborg is very good. And I know I bust balls about her management because her management sucks. As her management traditionally is just terrible. Whoever manages her PR is generally terrible. But goddamn she's an excellent fighter. She was wild when she needed to be. She was technical when she needed to be. She varied up her game. She switched to a lot more kicks towards the last round when uh, Spencer slowed down and wasn't able to cut her off as well, wasn't able to close the distance as much. Cyborg kept her distance a little bit better, something that I've really always talked about uh, that she's been able to do really well. I loved how Cyborg fought here. She knew Spencer wasn't going to take her down. She knew that, that wasn't going to happen, but this fight was good. I enjoyed it because at least the threat of Spencer, the fact that Spencer couldn't get dropped made the fight better. The fact that Spencer could close the distance made the fight better. The fact that Cyborg was throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at her, and, and Cyborg couldn't finish this girl, that made this fight fun to watch. Chris Cyborg wants uh, Amanda Nunes to wait till January for a fight. Amanda Nunes wants Chris Cyborg to fight. That's fine. Chris Cyborg doesn't have a contract now, guys, so I don't know what the deal is. Dana White said he would sign her to a one-fight deal if, if she wanted to. It's a hell of a fight, and you know what? While I'm not a fan of almost immediate rematches even within a year, Chris Cyborg beat an undefeated featherweight, whatever that means. I don't know what that even means, but I know that in the grand scope of that division, yeah, sure, give Cyborg another crack at it. She is easily the most legendary fighter in that division. I would have had a problem if it were a straight rematch, but it's not. Chris Cyborg got back in the cage. She won another fight against what Fight Matrix calls the number three featherweight in the world. Really, she'd be number four. The only reason Amanda Nunez isn't ranked higher is because she fought in a different division. But the only other person I want to see Chris Cyborg fight besides Amanda Nunez is Julia Budd. And that's over in Bellator, and that's a real possibility. Julia Budd, keep in mind, who beat Jermaine once upon a once upon a time. I don't know what's going to happen with Cyborg. Might do a video on it next week. Might end up uh, talking about it with Showdown Joe. Reminder, you all can join us over on the MMA channel. Uh, Actually, we're probably going to try to do it on the the wrestling channel again this week and upload it afterwards just to see how that works, see how that affects numbers. But um, Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, all you got to do is go to Fightful.com, and we're right there. Frankie Edgar has now lost five straight title fights. This was the longest layoff of his pro career. You couldn't really tell it, but he's just not as good as Max Holloway. It's a sad reality of the situation. Edgar was still able to land over the top a little bit, but Holloway just, this was the range game. That's what this is. This was a range game for the uh, duration of the fight and not a lot more. The the first fight that really got my, or the first strike that got my attention was that spinning back kick that Max hid with punches very, very well at the end of the second round. Uh, Max did land a nice hook that caused Edgar to get on his bicycle, but oddly enough, allowed Edgar to land a takedown. Uh, I'll give Holloway some credit. He went for the finish in the closing seconds of the fight. But there wasn't anything that stood out to me and, and said, okay, he had this sense of urgency, but he's facing one of the toughest fighters ever. Uh, I believe that Frank Yeager is done at the championship levels of UFC, b- barring some unforeseen injury that happens to somebody. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky was at the venue, made weight, in the event that someone fell out of this fight because the card was so thin they wouldn't dare try to continue without it. He's next in line. But uh, Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky is next. I'll tell you what I didn't like. Joe Rogan hitting that ring and saying, Frankie, some have said that you should be at 135 pounds. What? I get it. Can the man physically possibly maybe make 135? Yeah, sure, probably. Because he's a freaking professional. Man. But why would you encourage that? The guy used to fight at 150. Oh, my God. Or 155, rather. Why are we encouraging a guy to fight 20 or even 10 pounds below anything resembling what he's fought at in his career. And he would be 38 by the time he did it? What? No, man. Jeremy Lambert is manning the Fightful MMA account right now. He's got the uh, post-show coverage right now, uh, the post-fight press conference. Uh, Frank Yeager says, I did the best I can and credited Max, thought he won a couple of rounds, but it doesn't matter, it wasn't enough. Frankie says he's heartbroken and he's not going anywhere. I love that he's not retiring. I love it. He wasn't, I mean, did he lose this fight? Yeah. Was he blown out of the water to the point that I think that he should hang him up? Hell no. Frankie Yeager can still beat a lot of people, man. He said that he's pissed off and disappointed, proud of his performance, even though he let his team down. He goes, I don't have to say shit. I don't care what anyone thinks. I guess that was for myself. Frankie told Max he represents fighters well and that he he's the best to do it. Said so that he has tremendous respect for Max and even more so now. And that's it for Frankie. Jeff Neal said he's going to keep being a server because he likes doing it and likes the extra money. But would enjoy fighting Colby Covington because he's not a likable person. Neil said that he saw uh, Price's fight with Means and thought a takedown would be a good strategy. Neil wants a top 15 opponent but doesn't name names. Said that he was trying to avoid wild cha- exchanges, but that's how he likes to fight. Uh, join us at Fightful MMA. We will have more coverage over there. Of course, uh, FightfulMMA.com, MMA FightfulMMA on Twitter. Leave a thumbs up on this video. I can't tell you how much that helps. If you're watching, leave a comment below. That helps us a lot too. Any interaction here goes a long way. I want to know what you guys think is next. Quite frankly, Holloway and Volkanovsky for sure. Edgar against any top 10 opponent for sure. Uh, You got Cyborg and Julia Budd in Bellator if that happens, probably. Otherwise, it's going to be Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. Uh, Felicia Spencer. mm, Maybe Holly Holm. That could be a good one, Jeff Neal, top fifteen opponent for sure. Vivian Arizal, probably Antonina Shevchenko. If she wins, Jillian Robertson, you got to give her a top fifteen or not? Yeah, you you know what? I don't hate Jillian Robertson against Vivian Arizal. Not a bad one, Davidson Figueroa. where do you go from there? It's hard to tell, guys. Thank you all so much. Uh, I wanted to try this out on on the wrestling channel, uh, but thank you all for for making the adjustment. Until next time, we're out.